Welcome to our new podcast, The Anku. I'm Yanling. And I'm Sean. And usually on our usual freelance creative exchange podcast, we talk to professionals about how to supercharge their freelance careers. But after speaking to so many people, we were thinking, how did they get so cool? I mean, in order to achieve their successes and fame, they must have been pretty uncool at a certain point. No matter what kind of successes they have, we get our guests to dish out all the awkward moments that led them to where they are now. Some are even putting the cool in uncool jobs. So let's go talk to the uncools. Okay, so we are socially distanced again. Yes, adhering to all COVID guidelines. Uh, phase 2 HA, yo. So Sean, yes. in the last episode, you said that when you were young, you wanted mm-hmm. to be in TV when you grew up. I did, yes. But when I was young, did you know that one of the things that I wanted to be was a teacher? You a teacher. I really cannot imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Just maybe not the discipline mistress. Well, they were like the worst. I mean, like, you don't ever want to be anywhere close to them because it's going right? to be a lot of trouble. Yeah. Well, yeah, our next guest was a former discipline mistress, so uh, that was pretty uncool. <laughs> but but she's quite cool today. I think she's this uh, in, you know, Instagram model. She runs her own business, and I think her business is really, really, really quite cool. Um, wow. So you should go meet Kareem. So Kareem, you're super multifaceted, right? You own a writer studio, which is a uh, kids learning center in one way. Okay, you are also a model, right? <laughs> and you have other creative ventures as well. Yes. So you are like the original hashtag boss babe. <laughs> How did you get so cool? Um, well, uh, I guess everything came from my... Um, you know, my choices, you know, in life. For example, I love, I wanted to be a policewoman when I was younger. Wow. And I wanted to be a mechanical <laughs> engineer, followed what? by probably a scientist. You know, my, my sis is a forensic scientist you know, <gasps> herself. Yeah. And um, I chose language. And when you choose language, it's something pretty free-flowing, creative. And that's when I feel that um, it's a form of art, isn't it? Mm. So where language is concerned, um, I would choose to write, you know, as much as I love to read. So when you do that, um, you find yourself more, pre- more expressive. And that's when I found a correlation between expressing myself, having been a speech and drama teacher before, and writing what I, you know, writing expressively and freely, and gelling the two together. Mm. And therefore, so many things have happened. But how do you go from wanting to be a police officer, uh, like an engineer, engineer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> into writing? I mean, they're very different. Yes, they're very different. Probably because um, then I realized that, oh, there's a lot of, you know, um, interest in drama. As you know, you know, all these came mm-hmm. from the movies and dramas. We have watched the stories that we have read. Mm-hmm. So every child wants to be everything. So when I found my um, gravitation towards writing, um, I told myself that hey, this is here to I'm here to stay for this, and I hope to be a language teacher in, to that extent and inspire other kids to you know read and um, write more, to be more expressive in their lives. And I think this is this is what life is all about, you know, to be able to um, sum up whatever life experiences you have with a pen, with your words. I'm, I'm just trying to imagine your parents. You're like. You know, when growing up, like, oh, I want to be a policewoman. Oh, yeah, I can. I'll be a, I want to be a mechanical engineer. Oh, that's fine. Oh, I'll do drama, like, huh? 
Did did they have yeah. did it you have, have any that. like that kind of reaction from them or were they shocked? Did they go against like why suddenly from an engineer to, <laughs> to uh, drama? Yeah, yeah. My my parents, uh yeah, quite interestingly, although my dad's a really rigid person, mm-hmm. he encourages us to be who we are, who we want to be. Oh, and soon nice. you'll find your life path. Yes. I think family support is very important, don't you yeah, think? Yeah, it's pretty yeah. important. We're pretty close. And now you also teach this to our next generation, which I feel is a great, I mean, it's a great cause, first of all. And I think mm-hmm. it's especially challenging. Yeah. I don't know, because I, I've never taught before, but just looking at my nephews and my niece, I'm like, oh my goodness, I really don't want to be your teachers. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel that sometimes? Well, um, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I do. Yes, that face just says it <laughs> Sometimes. But I guess, um, so, okay, my friends are always telling me, you know, um, what keeps you bouncing around? You're like an energy bunny yeah, every day. So sometimes I feel that I draw energy from the children. Mm. And when I teach them, you know, yeah. sometimes you have to scale down to their level, find out what they are thinking. Every child wants to be understood and they want to be heard. And there's so much they want to do. They need someone like us with more experiences, maybe, you know, to be able to encourage them in the right direction. Yes, and most of the time, I get my students to either draw or write out mm-hmm. or speak to me in their own ways. Mm. I think it helps because I have this uh, specialization in arts appreciation when I was okay. 21 oh. yeah, through 24. So um, it really helps me a lot to find out um, how art can be a very um, multifaceted form of expression mm. in everyone's life. So it could happen, um, you know, um, in a form of in, in, in a pictorial form, in a written sense, and even through songs, mm. you know. So I guess um, this is what I see in every child. There's so much in them. They need a teacher to guide them. And every time I want to give up, this is what I'll tell myself. All right? You don't because you never know what the next child could be. So interestingly, I have a boy called Joel Lim. Mm. He's got pretty well. So when I was asking my students, how many of you can tell me your ambitions? You know, ambition is a very um, Archaic question. How many of us do you ask your, your, your children what your ambition is going to be? But Joel, everybody t- told me, I want to be a lawyer, a doctor. And Joel said, I'll be the next president of Singapore. And everyone laughed at him, including myself. But he didn't laugh, you know. He told me, I'm very serious. You know, I'm going to join grassroots. So you never know what every child wants to be. Speaking of, you were saying that it's quite an archaic question. Yes. I think teaching in, in itself is quite archaic in a sense. How have you made it so uh, much more than that? Everyone has a teacher. Mm-hmm. But um, in the modern sense, or rather, it has been a DNA of every teacher to flow with the times. Because every teacher has that innate child in us who wants to follow the times and the trend. So I think it is one of the most modern jobs we can ever have. Because we evolve according to society, we are influenced by it, we pass on that um, entire love of learning to teach and teaching people to learn. And there is no way a teacher could abandon um, societal trends, you know, and um, environmental concerns and um, in dealing with the students, we can't abandon the needs that they have, the voices they want to unleash and speak. They want to be heard, the desire to want to be heard. Mm-hmm. So I guess it would be one of the most modern jobs ever 
because it's always evolving. I'm trying to imagine, so you're saying how you kind of keep up the times and all, and I think everyone can agree last year wasn't the best of times to be a teacher. I mean, when you lose your face-to-face uh, classes and everything, you know, you go on Zoom or Teams and you start teaching from that way. Yeah, that's a huge shift, yeah. The moment we knew that we had to continue teaching, perhaps online. Mm-hmm. So everyone just came together and asked ourselves, now, it's not about business viability here, but how can these children continue learning? And given that everyone else is affected, this means parents are also affected, right? So if parents are also affected, it also means that um, how can we help them to, to feel better with their jobs and yet take care of their children because they're going to be home you know, 24-7 with the children. So education is not just so, yeah. about just the kid, it's about the parent The parents. So well. sometimes I see that we are tools or we are bridges between parent and child. I don't know, I'm just so fascinated by it because in the past when I was going through school, it's so different, right? My parents would always let the teacher have the final say. Yeah, because they are our source of discipline outside of our parents. Yes. But now my sis, I see my sister and her kids, and they have WhatsApp groups with every teacher, every class. I don't know. I just think it's so difficult right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that that bridge, I yes. think, is even truer now mm-hmm. than it was. You know, even just twenty years ago. I guess. But there's a child in all of us. So even in ourselves, uh, we reach out to that inner child and we speak to ourselves and find out what do these ch- kids of this century need? What kind of stresses, stresses uh, are they going through? How do they want to be heard? They are children who are very young and they are already on social media accounts. Mm-hmm. They are conscious. Yeah. You know? They are also conscious about how their friends look at them, how their parents would feel. Mm-hmm. So that trust has to be developed over time. The rapport, the small nuances like you look a little sleepy. Do, would you like some tea? I said, oh, tea. So why is tea good? You know, some caffeine. And I'll explain to them. So over time, that care, concern, and the devotion to a client or to a child, over time, they feel the trust in you. And that's when we slowly peel off layers and layers of that confused self in them mm-hmm. to understand what they really need. And when you gain that trust and they feel the support, you can do anything with them. You unlearn what they have learned. You pack in new knowledge for them, give them that strength to know it's fine to handle this question now. I could ask my teacher, I could create a main idea and I'm fine making mistakes. She'll teach me how to embrace it, overcome it and correct myself. Mm. Yes. So you've been running um, Writer's Studio for how many years already? Um, I guess uh, we've run it since 2012, so about nine years already. Was there ever a moment in this nine to ten years where you thought, you know, okay, I'm never going to get over this I'm, I'm finished now and then but then you turn that moment that uncool moment into something cool oh uh, that's that's cool that's it that's a cool question as well <laughs> right <laughs> okay so um yeah i i think uh, we started out um you know we full-on passion you know it's just pure teaching and so forth but then you see oh other centers are springing up they are doing english tuition you are doing english enrichment too mm. so how do we keep our dna the struggle is how i want to um deliver that DNA in us, that we want to build not just a child who loves English, who loves language, but is a resilient writer, an analytical reader, and a convincing speaker, without feeling that I'm here just for the grades. But yet, when all this is done, I can do well for myself in the exams, maybe, for PSLE. Mm. 
it is um, the difficult part is how do you get out of that mode where you are labeled as a tuition center, mm. all right, to a tuition center that cares and develops. That, that was the struggle I had because parents would always see, oh, you are another enrichment center and I want you to do this. So you know, they look you at know. you guys as service in a sense, isn't it? Yeah, um, as a service, service and you know, you know what? Um, I'm going to enroll my child in your center for three months, and therefore I expect to see an A. But no, we don't. We build um, success through literacy. It's going to be um, not trans, uh, not transient, not temporal. It's going to last. It's going to last you till the rest of your, for the rest of your lives. That's why um, I I guess um, in doing so. My journey in transforming um, WS is not transforming per se. The core DNA is always there. But um, I see it essential that we put everything into a visible whole for everyone to understand. My students will graduate and the very keen ones would stay on as intern writers for us mm -hmm. as we champion our online magazine on leadership, student leadership. Oh, They'll write for wow. us. And we'll have these little ones telling me, okay, I want to write to convince because I built all these skills at the center. And then I've got this platform to be able to deliver this skill and yet be recognized. Mm. So leadnovate.net is our um, online magazine. Uh, I would say 80% of the staff are interns who have graduated from us. Wow. Yes, and the youngest is 13. If, uh, if you distill everything now you just said from a business owner point of view, what do you think it's the most important traits that people should understand if they ever want to start a small business in the same uh, space? Yeah, if they want to start a small business in the same space, um, you always have um, lots of noise around you. You've got like people telling you, no, you're not good. You can do better. Look, they are doing this. You shouldn't be doing this. So all these, we ask ourselves. I remember Steve Jobs' quote. He did mention something. Um, although, you know, he's really not from, not from anywhere near and he's so, you know, great and awesome with the iPhone invention and all. Um, his quote reminds me to this effect, all right? That um, sometimes uh, when you are small and you hit a certain plateau and you're satisfied, right? Mm -hmm. There's always something to unlearn. Perhaps revisit your own programs and products and services and learn, fall back to basics and question yourself, how could this could be done better? Mm -hmm. So to succeed, a constant um, humility to reinvent yourself, review your products, reinvent, to fit the new market demands in the next year and always be on the ground to listen. Listen to the staff, listen to the teachers, the voices of the children and the customers. Even as a boss, don't leave the ground. Find your means to come to the ground. That's why I teach too. I'm just so inspired by that because I think that is, I think that is that missing key because a lot of places, you know, you just learn how to do something, be it language, yeah. be it, you know, your maths, your science. And then after that, really you come out of school thinking, what did I do this for? Yeah. You know, like, I am not using, you hear this more often than anything after people graduate. Yeah. I never learned, I never use anything that I learned inside school before but no you're actually translating all of this into something very real world yeah. you know that people can and they use it to actually communicate effectively yeah. there has to be something more than PSLE more than the yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah so so I'm, I, I'm just 
yeah, mind blown a little bit here. And it's such a simple concept, but you've just like blown my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and for you, right, you also have quite a little bit of following as well on your social media. Mm-hmm. Like, was that intentional? Or, you know, are you growing it as part of your business, as part of a persona for Writer's Studio? Or, you know, how did that even come about? Yeah, so I'm a pro... <laughs> quite a reticent person actually by nature. Mm-hmm. So you can say that uh, that those uh, social media posts are extremely, um, are just my form of express- ex- expression. It wasn't really intimate, but if you could read between the lines, uh, you will see that there's a lot of intensity to it mm. from various points of view as a business owner, as a teacher, yeah, as a writer, yeah. and as a friend. So um, there have been lots of uh, messages um, which I have not uh, really you know, filtered but, um, or, or even have the time to read now. But uh, I would say that th- to sum it up, or to sum it off, uh, every one of us has a certain form of vulnerability and uncertainty. And to a large part, my writings have spoken to them and given them strength. Mm-mm. So you're in an enrichment center and you're teaching writings for exams uh, or something like that to, the, to that effect. But I always have that voice in me wanting to express myself through other forms of writing. So I write poems and I've, I've produced um, some stories of my own mm-hmm. when I went to UK to study. That was in 2017, yeah, 2017. So we did writing. So you'd be very surprised that when I brought the same kind of writing style that I've learned here, here on our side of the world over, it was rejected. My first piece was rejected and was extremely offended. And I asked why. <laughs> it took me um, about two years, two years to understand um, that to deliver a piece of writing, it requires more depth than that, you mm. see. So I did more practices. And when I have all these works out there, there had to be somewhere to publish it. Mm. But the quickest way for me was to be heard. So I wanted to write something just online. And I started from there. Mm. So um, then, I wondered, should I, where do I get the pictures from, you know? Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not really a photo- photographer. Where do I get the pictures from? So the best way is to then express it, you see, through the eyes. So there's a lot of emphasis on the eyes mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. our eyes represent so many things, you know, as we know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're the window, uh, the, our eyes are the windows to the soul. And um, of course, uh, a large part of me was about colors, about fashion, and it so happens that I was speaking to someone and uh, about the fact I'm a teacher and I love to write. And he said, you know, I found that we, we could um, work with you in having you, um, you know, let, let us see what we can do to bring this concept across. And then it happened. Mm. Yeah. So you went from, so we're uh, uh, talking about all this writing and it all came down from your background. For, how, which part of it comes from your background of being an auditor, you know, in your previous life? I mean, yeah. you, you clearly, you've clearly not gone on the path of least resistance, otherwise you'd still be an auditor, right? Yeah, actually everything kind of fall, fell into place. So um, when I was like um, seven years old, um, my mom found me squatting at our, you know, we, we live in a public housing in a flat. So I was squatting there at the door, selling erasers. There was salvage from the lost and found corner of the school. Uh-huh. Five cents per piece or ten cents per piece. I was my little entrepreneur already. <laughs> and then by afternoon, I'll be telling my siblings, I have three of them, to sit down. Let me teach you something right now. Look at the board. <laughs> yeah, there's a cane right here. So all these came about. 
So by 13, I, uh, is it 13? Oh, sorry, the year 2000, I have my own website. Oh. Yeah, and I was already um, soliciting for business online and finding how I could use uh, my language skills to describe things that these business owners sell and placing them online, you know? Huh? And I actually had customers, <laughs> yes. Wow, so... I'm just imagining like the, you know, the Peanuts comic script, there's always this kid standing there with a lemonade stand. In fact, um, <laughs> that, that uh, behind those comics, uh, it was something very intense, you know? The boy himself, uh, yeah. I think the author himself, when he was young, he had a very vulnerable childhood, very low self-esteem, and he expresses his art. Uh, his, uh, he expresses his thoughts about being bullied in school, um, not being accepted, you know? And he professes everything in those comics. And nobody knew that you would. I'm just sitting here wondering. I'm just. I'm just sitting here wondering. When were you ever uncool? I mean, you you made selling erasers, cool. so cool. When was the most uncool? Okay, I guess the most uncool was to probably accept a job, you know, in MOE as a discipline mistress. Can I say that? No. Oh wow. Yes. Ultimate uncoolness. <laughs> Sorry, I have to say that. Discipline mistresses are uncool, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we are in agreement here. Yeah, un uncool. Yeah. Because <laughs> I remember my principal tell me, telling me, oh. Today, um, you will be the disciplined mistress and remember to wear that face. I said, what kind of face? That face. I said, oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> that was very uncool. <laughs> because I realized that, well, every child who probably broke a rule, um, yes, it's important to um, tell them that they are wrong. But rather than, you know, uh, creating that persona that you must behave like a disciplined mistress in the old times, you know, you have to blare out that. And you have to bear your, you know, bear your fangs, you know, curl your lips. I look like a vampire. No, you don't. You could, um, we could, we could deal with children in different ways these days. I'm sure they understand. Yeah. yeah. The face that scares 2,000 kids. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty hard because um, I was, you know, <laughs> very different. Yeah. So it sort of changed me a little bit. But because I was young, I was very young, a very young teacher. And um, it, it, then the next best, you know, role model that I had would be in my mind, that discipline mistress from when I was younger, you yeah. know, primary school. So I have to try to try my best to relate her. to, yeah, model right. her. I guess all these kind of things are, is mm -hmm. what makes it so relatable yeah. in some ways, right? Um, you talk about as you are creating your product, you know, yeah. people can read and subconsciously most yeah. of the time, read between the lines and say, yeah. oh yeah, I sort of get that. Yeah, and it's all passion, you know? In, a, in every product, we look for that little passion. Yeah. So long as it's not easily replicable or replicated from someone, yeah, yeah every product itself has something to be appreciated. Mm. Yeah, but who's the mind behind it? I, and I like it, and I want my students to know, who's the mind behind your essay? If you hold a pen, if you wield a pen, it's mightier than the sword. Mm. So the pen itself has power. And I think a lot of people find that, you know, replicating is a lot easier, simpler than it was before. If they wanted to learn, replicate uh, something they've, which they've seen, they will watch, uh, you know, they go on online, follow the tutorial, and then they learn it. So how, how has this uh, trend, especially that's happened in the last few years, changed the way teaching is done now, today? Uh, the thing about Writer Studio is that um, we don't go all out to find out what um, other schools are doing or what competition is doing. Um, we know what MOE is uh, teaching and developing, but um, we'll always ask ourselves uh, where we, if we were to relate this to teaching creative writing, okay? Um, on the internet, there could be many forms of um, writing styles to follow, mm. right? There'll be a common pattern, but 
uh, I always teach my students, when you do your research or my teachers who are doing research, to be very discerning and find out which of these um, examples would speak to you and it, it grabs your attention, which is more riveting, right? And find out why that's, that piece of writing stands out and it rivets you, really, you know, it grips you. So um, when we teach creative writing, we always ask the students to think of a plot that could relate to the theme, the mm. pictures given. Mm. But yet, when you are writing it, you could understand how you want the story to end. Mm. Or rather, plan with the motive, plan with the objective in mind. Every story, for instance, comes with a message. Mm. You know, uh, uh, it can come with a message of, say, making the wrong decisions in life. So many students would, would, would talk about, uh, say, uh, I want to write an essay about, I, about cheating in the exams or taking some of these things that don't belong to me. Mm. You know, very mediocre plots. But these days, um, things have gone a little deeper. For, ex for instance, um, uh, some of the students would give me unique plots such as, uh, okay, I could talk about, um, oh, sorry, um, they have given suggestions about um, borrowing money to play games in the arcade. So that, that kind of, um, those stories itself would end with a certain moral to it. For, ex for instance, um, making life choices that are important to, uh, to them, and yet it's very current. Because we have some students indeed, whom I see them in class after class telling them, hey, I want to purchase something from the, from the, uh, I want to purchase something from the vending machine, but I don't have money, can you lend me please? And, and the story evolved further into, can you lend me this and I'll keep it, and the next day I'll borrow from someone else to pay you back, you know, and the cycle repeats. So I see this, I see this in the children and ask them, how can we develop a story out of this? And if we plan with that in mind, what kind of ending would you give to your story? So um, when we talk about um, things that could be replicated from the internet, what we cannot replicate are the concepts and the motives of the writing uh, that every child has to be encouraged to see. Mm. That when you write with that purpose in mind, okay, falling back to very, very um, conventional writing requirements in the exams, like we, we always encourage the students to look at the audience purpose and context behind the writing. So if we were to um, remind every child that yes, or every teacher, yes, teaching can be replicated. But in essence, can there be new concepts and trends that we can latch on and deliver that through our work and writing? The authenticity will never be neglected. In fact, it can be harnessed to send that message. Because if um, being a Chinese, Jack Ma could shine on the world stage, right? Mm -hmm. And we don't know who's the next big one in Singapore, any one of us can just shine with that authenticity. And we want the children in Singapore, not just in Writer's Studio, to do that. We have to bridge um, the divide between the digital natives of today, the young children, and digital migrants like perhaps uh, me or mm -hmm. you know, my predecessors. So uh, education uh, in the future would have to um, reach out to the children in the way that appeals to them. I don't think it's a small message at all. <laughs> because I love that, that, that theme that you're going with where it's not just about good language. Yeah. It is about what you want to say, right? And be it our choice of text, um, in the way we deliver lessons, right? We have to strike that uh, common empathy, understanding that is very subtle. So lots of um, observation has to be done, even more than before, and we can't take things for granted. Yeah. 
I think there's also this this point, right, where being a teacher, I, I mean, I used to want to be a teacher, but that died because I don't have the patience. But <laughs> for you, right, I, I think you're sort of changing that perception as well. A lot of people think of teachers as being very uncool. They're like, oh, you're, you're the cheer, you know. <laughs> but you, you are, you know, you are the cool, you're the cool teacher. So um, how... Do do you have a certain formula that you want to let teachers know? How, how do you become a cool teacher? How do you become a cool teacher? <laughs> Move with the times. <laughs> Move with the times. The trend. Yes. Yeah. Um. I remembered my my principal wanted to have this twilight feel and aura on the night of mid autumn. Okay. Was, no, yeah. So imagine Christmas trees, right? Okay. He wants that effect. Yeah. And we have got six coconut trees, palm trees. I mean, in 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 our school. So you can imagine. Uh, it might be cool or uncool for me to climb that tree. <laughs> what? I climbed that tree. <laughs> so, you know, strung up six trees with fairy lights. Oh, yourself? And that <laughs> night, me and another friend, yeah. So all six, all six trees were lit up that night. And when he came in, one, two, three, pop, wow, you got the lights. Yeah. So guys. And we felt very cool then. Yeah, I guess um, in life, this shows that um, whenever we throw in with a problem, always think of a solution um, and if we can um, not ask how not ask how can I do that to the person who gave you the instruction but how can I do that because it's a good challenge so that's what I always taking initiative so we are all going to google now which school has six coconut trees if and Miss which school o, you in? <laughs> if you were you were taught by Miss O and you had palm trees lit up in your school yeah. that night it was because of her yeah. <laughs> What do you see for yourself as the hashtag boss babe? I'll be more collaborative, even more collaborative with my with my um with my the people I work with, with the students, with the parents. And that's um what I want to be really, where my heart is. So I see um the need for mutual support, strength and make a shared um, ideology being very important. So collaborations are always very important. So moving forward, we'll want to find draw strengths from wherever we can and move forward together. So Kareen, if people want to find you to collaborate or just to look up more about you, where can they find you? Yeah, they could drop me an email um, and you could find that at writerstudio.com.sg. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to The Uncool or rate us five stars on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Freelance Creative Exchange and you can find more episodes of The Uncool or others in our series. And then you click follow. Also, share with us and celebrate the uncool moments by going to any social media platforms and using the hashtag FCEUncool. We want to hear from you and remember, it's cool to be uncool. 